Welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neil, and I'm joined by Rob Jabaz, writer and director. Yeah, very good. Writer and director of The Sadness, which is totally insane, and I loved it. Oh, thanks. Well, I saw you give it uh, four cartoon de- devils out of five. Right. That's, that's um, Diablo Joe on the website. That's not me personally. Oh, sorry. But our website did like it a lot. Yeah. Oh, great. Did you? Yeah. Uh, so what would you give it? I would probably, I'd put it close up to five, honestly. And not just because you're here. Yes, you're, okay. That's great, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. I, I'd give it like probably like a four point. Four point like, five. That's what I was saying. Close to, uh, to a five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Four point, probably a 4.5. Yeah. Um, that's pretty good. That's pretty high. Yeah. I loved it. As soon I, this is strange, but I watch it with my mom. And uh, right, pretty much right away, we're like, "Whoa, this is a uh, this is shocking." Where are you, where are you uh, calling me from, anyways? We're we're about to. I'm in here. Massachusetts. Oh, cool. That's you're in great. Taiwan. Certainly am. Are, and you're uh, that's uh, like what town? Like, are you are you in Boston? Uh, you probably won't know. It's Sandwich. Sandwich. I've heard of I've heard of the, uh, a food that you guys make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it's named after the Earl of Sandwich who invented the sandwich. Right. Well, that's great. I'm a big fan of, of sandwiches, big and small. Oh, very good. Very good. Yeah. It's, on, yeah, it's a little town in Cape Cod. So, uh, the, but yeah, the sadness, it's on Shutter. Um, I want to know, I was interested, is the name the sadness? Is it like a, is it a direct translation? No. Well, sort of. It's, uh, it, that's a good question. No, you know what? Nobody's answered that, or nobody has asked that question uh, before. Uh, and in fact, uh, the, the name of the film in Chinese is, is Kubei. And um, what it means is, like literally, what it means is like crying sadness. But, but in, in the Taiwanese dialect, it, it means like crying father. And this is actually like a slang uh, well, sorry, it's not a slang, but it's it sounds very close to Kubei. Uh, sorry, sorry, not Kubei. Kubei is the name of the movie. Kubei is the name of the movie, but the the slang is Kaubei, Kaubei, and that means like, oh fuck. So it, like, <laughs> so it sounds so like if you say that to Taiwanese people, they'll be like, they'll be like, uh, you'd be like, oh yeah, the movie's called Kubei, and they'll be like, oh Kaubei, haha. You know what I mean? Like they'll yeah. they think it's it's like if you had like. Um, like a, uh, a Vietnamese restaurant called What the Pho. You know, people will be like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> Get it? Right. So it's, um, so it's kind was of that like, intentional uh, on your part for the name then? No, no. There was, like, my, my name was this, or my uh, idea for the name was the sadness very early on. But then, um, you know, they were thinking, they're trying to think of a, uh, of a Chinese equivalent or like a, a local title for the film. And then they just came up with Kubei. And, um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it actually kind of had the, we, we were worried about it because it, it kind of maybe could be taken as like, oh, this is a comedy movie maybe, mm-hmm. you know, because like, actually that's how much it sounds like, a, you know, like a, like a funny thing. So uh, we just started thinking about it and eventually we just said, um, you know what, probably what matters the most is not what the title is, but just how memorable it is. So let's, and it is very memorable. So let's just keep it. Uh, Kube, because because it's like uh, it's going to be something that you know, regardless of 
what it means if people are not going to forget it. And that's really all we care about. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned it's not, you know, you didn't want it to come off as a comedy. And for people who haven't seen it, it's definitely not a feel good film. I don't know. I think, I think that it's pretty fun. Like it's like, did you enjoy yourself? Oh yeah, definitely. But I'm not, you know, necessarily the most normal guy, but I guess people watch us and probably uh, have some, well, it's interesting. You said you enjoy it. There's like a lot of over the top, gore and, and blood that I think a lot of people uh, will j enjoy, but there's also a lot of just stuff that maybe you'd feel weird about enjoying. Well, you know, the thing is, is like, uh, uh, it's kind of like uh, eating pistachios, you know, you got that hard shell outside and like, you know, you're, you're, you're spending, sometimes you get one that's really hard to open you get your fingernails in there and you bust her open and then you get the little pistachio inside. And, you know, I've, I've gone to like Costco, in the States or, or Canada. And I've bought like shelled pistachios and it's just not as fun, you know, like it, it's, it's actually uh, an entirely different experience. Yeah. Far less memorable. So it's kind of like back in the day when it was harder to watch movies. You did appreciate all that stuff more uh, when you had to go rent it before everything was streaming at your fingertips. Well, well, I, I like my analogy better because. All right. All right. I, yeah. I like, well, we'll go with it. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is that, you need to have the hard shell and the, and the sort of the tough moments of, of effort in order to enjoy like the, the, the sweet pistachio inside. Mm. Um, but, but uh, you know, here's the thing is that like, that's what everyone always says. Like I see these people on YouTube and they're just like, like a lot of people are going to be upset about this one. But, but then it's like, I thought it was great. And it's like, well, then who the hell are you talking about? Like, if you liked it, then say you liked it. You know, like that, that, that's what, when, when I was making the film, I, I had people kind of telling me like, cause if we made it for a Taiwanese audience and people were saying like, um, you know, like, Oh, you know, like Taiwanese people wouldn't, they're not going to like this or, or a Taiwanese guy wouldn't do it that way. And then, and I started getting all in my head about like, you know, what the fuck, like, you know, what, uh, who am I making this for? Am I making this for just some hypothetical person that I don't understand? Because the only person that I actually understand, the only person's taste that I understand is actually my own. So all I can really do is just try to make it like the, like, the best way possible uh, in, in terms of my own criteria. Because if I, if I try to make it for some hypothetical person who I, who I don't understand, then you end up with a mess and nobody's happy, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I guess uh, that's just sort of the way that I uh, approach um, not only making stuff, but also sort of how I criticize stuff. You know, like if, if I like it, then it's good. And I, and I don't really think about what other people think because, uh, you know, most of the time, most of the time I'm wrong about that anyways, but, but I don't know. You're, you're more of a, no, I think that's actually uh, really well put and interesting because I think sometimes people try to like make this as broad as possible, but a horror movie about, I don't really consider a zombie movie, but uh, this crazy movie, it's not going to appeal to everybody in the first place. So why try to make it appeal to everyone? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, I, that's, that's pretty much the crux of, of what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about like, um, sort of horror movies that are kind of, that have sort of a broad appeal. And a lot of the time, um, like, cause what you want, like from a producer's standpoint, what you want is you want a director. Uh, the, the, the term they use sort of like in Hollywood is like voicey. You want a voicey director, like a voicey direct voicey means like has a original voice, you know, like, uh, like your Jordan Peele or, or, or um, uh, Ari Aster or some, someone like this, right. Guys who have very, um, specific and very unique uh, voices in terms of being like artists. 
Um, and you want them to be like, uh, you want them to, to, to have that thing that no one else can do. You don't want to just get some jack off who's just going to listen to the producers and the investors. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't want that guy who's going to be some weird guy who's just going to go off and do his own thing and not listen to you. So I think that a lot of the times, like what they're trying to do is they're trying to find like just some guy who's like a creative guy, but also a guy who's kind of just like, like, yeah, totally, man. Like, absolutely. Yeah. You know, like just like a, a real, like a real agreeable, like kind of guy who's like easy to work with. And and that's actually like the idea a perfect guy to, to hire, to, to take the reins of like, a, um, I don't know, like some big, uh, I don't know, like expensive, like 120 to $150 million movie. Uh, I don't want to name any, any uh, specific movie because I don't want anyone to think that like, you know, I think poorly of any director, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird how sort of certain, certain personality, like a certain kind of personality will get you very far in, uh, in being like a, a successful director within the studio system. I think, because I, I, I've never even been to Hollywood. I've never even been to California except one time on a layover. Yeah, I have, but like, just because I was on Hollywood Boulevard, not like I was making a hundred million dollar movie, but um, uh, what you just said there though, about, um, you know, a, a broad appeal and, and um, all these movies. So, um, but years ago, like if you would have made this movie, like you would, you would have wanted the sadness at, you know, at theaters and stuff. And I don't know if they would have played them. And uh, um, today you can, you know, there's a streaming sites that will play it, the festivals, um, you know, Blu-ray and stuff. So I don't know if you, you know, where you could have played the sadness if you would have made it, you know, like 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. Neither do I, I guess. Like, I mean, uh, was, uh, what's a movie that's like similar to like the sadness that, that has similar sort of content. Uh, well, I was thinking uh, like a Serbian film on some level, but that's, you know, again, that's more modern. Well, it was, I mean, with, I, like that, that movie, I don't even think had like, I think that was distributed by some like company in Brazil or something. Like, can can you find like a Serbian film on like prime or. Oh no, like, it was banned from, um, from Netflix back in the day. And it used to, yeah, it used, used to be able to buy the, like the uncut Blu-ray on, I don't even know, I think it was the uncut one, but you used to be able to buy it on Amazon, but I don't know if you can anymore. I know Steven uh, Bureau uh, releases uh, a cut of it. What about, um, what about like, uh, um, what about like Irreversible, the Gaspar Noe movie? Was, was that ever in theaters? Did you remember that being in theaters when, when you were uh, around? Probably during not, that no. No? What about like what about something like um uh like like uh what, what's that guy uh, uh Alexander Aja like his movies like oh I know like okay listen I got the, I got the one for you right here The Hills Have Eyes mm. that had that had like, a rape scene in it right know? right yeah and, and it's pretty mean spirited they showed that in yeah. theaters I was yeah. like Last House on the Left yeah fuck that's that's like a that's a rape that's a movie that's just about rape and it's like uh, Sorry, sorry if this is gonna get your get your YouTube channel demonetized or whatever. You can just bleep it out. You can just put like the sound of like a donkey going like hee haw every time I say rape. But in any case, um, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it, you know, it, I guess it's just a a, a particular uh, particular time, a partic particular era. You know, like I mean, um, maybe right now this kind of stuff. You know, they, they told me like, oh yeah, you know what? Uh, at Fantasia, we've never had a trigger warning 
uh, before, but we're going to have a trigger warning for your film. And it's like, you know, it's like for the first time ever, Fantasia's got a trigger warning. And it's just like, well, so you it know, becomes, show, it becomes show a way to promote the movie. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But they, they showed like, um, I, I've said this before, like on, on other interviews, but I, I, the first time I saw the Ebola syndrome was uh, in, uh, it was at Fantasia in Toronto. Uh, in to, uh, not, uh, Okay, let me say the date correctly. 1998, I saw, I saw uh, the Ebola syndrome. And I mean, that movie is insane, absolutely insane. And, and, there's, and there's tons of sexual assault and tons of like on-camera uh, uh, sexual violation and, and, and uh, assault and just horrible, horrible stuff. Um, but they didn't give a trigger warning. And I, the reason I didn't give a trigger warning because it was just, it was about the era that it was shown in. You know, people were just kind of... Um, they they expected a certain thing from a from a film festival and and they all knew what they were getting into and they they realized that the film festival is sort of like um, uh, hallowed ground if you will you know like like the cinema comes first sort of situation but uh, uh, last year it was like oh yeah trigger warning from the sadness and I'm just like all right I mean I don't really feel like this I personally don't feel like the sadness is like that that hard of a watch like it does like when you watch it you just like what you said you have a lot of fun watching it there is a little bit of hard stuff there there yeah. are a few plasio shells but like the thing is is that it's um it's actually quite I, I find it to be kind of like a like a enjoyable watch and it's like and after it's over you kind of leave the theater kind of being like like yo you know like you're, yeah you're, like i said i watch with my mom and we both had a good time so i'm kind of guilty of this myself like kind of what you're saying is you kind of, people want to go in and almost apologize for liking uh, a movie like this uh, originally, which uh, I mean, I grew up watching crazy movies. So. Sure. What's the, what's the craziest movie you ever saw? Uh, Serbian films up there, I would say. Um, you, know which one, you know, which one kind of really made me upset was um, grotesque. Do you ever see grotesque? I don't think I've seen grotesque. Okay. That, I think that's like 20, I want to say 2009 or, or something. And it's, um, it's basically just these, this couple just getting tortured for the whole film. It's like a Japanese film. And uh, it's very, uh, he's very inventive and very cruel. And uh, I, I found that one to be just like, like, uh, what's this for? You know, like, like <laughs> right. What's this for other than just, other than just being like hostile to the audience? Um, but uh, I, actually, I mentioned Serbian film a couple times, but I actually think that's a really good movie. It's really well made and well acted. I'm actually, uh, I actually, uh, I mean, I mean, uh, contact like I I have a uh, sort of open line of communication with with one of the writers Alexander who who is the co-writer of uh, of a Serbian film and we we talk about stuff uh, you know film and stuff all the time uh, big big fan of that guy I think that uh, he like he sent me some some scripts that he's written I, I probably I, nice. I, don't, I won't mention them too much but like like they're 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 really good and I think that this a Serbian film is actually like um, it, it, it's a lot. It's, it actually breaks my heart because there's so much, there's so much in that film that's like powerful and, and, and saying such, uh, you know, like profound things about, about people and stuff. And um, it just gets lost uh, because people just focus on the, on the, the you know, basically the two yeah. scenes or three scenes, you know, and it's like, um, that, that's, that happens with the sadness too, I, I find. I, although I, I do believe that this, a Serbian film has a far better script than the sadness. The, the sadness has a, is a more about like an energy or like a, 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 a momentum, uh, whereas a Serbian film really is more, in a, in a way, traditional because it really is more of like a, a, a movie about 
like a, a space, like a, where the foundation is like the script and like uh, that, that's the way it plays out. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's funny is when, when you put shocking stuff in, in a film, uh, a lot of people get really hung up on it and they don't really take it as sort of a whole. They, they, they tend to compartmentalize it. And uh, that happens also with, with irreversible. I mean, anytime you want to talk about irreversible people, just very, you know, very few people even remember that that movie was, was done in reverse. You know, like <laughs> right, right. people just talk about that rape scene and, and that's it. But hardly anyone talks about the fact that it was, it was shot like backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's, it's wild just how uh, a shocking thing can just get stuck in people's teeth like that, like some kind yeah. of wacky pistachio shell. I like I, the more you say the pistachio uh, shell. Uh, I agree with you; it's a much better analogy than mine. But the uh, I would also put um, um, a human centipede, especially like the the first two, uh, yeah. and the the first one isn't even really graphic at all, and people are hung up on just the idea and think it's. Yeah. Uh, but really, it's kind of a traditional uh, mad scientist movie. Well, I mean, but I'll, you know, confronting you with with that. Confronting you with just sort of that, that uh, uh, you know, disgusting uh, imagery and concepts um, is like, I don't know, I think, I, I think that I, I really like the, uh, I really like the first um, uh, Human Centipede film. And then the second one is like, uh, it's like the opposite of it. It's kind of the reaction I think people had to the first movie. Yeah, I, maybe. I, I think that um, it's equally as good. It's, it's, uh, I'm a big fan, uh, too. I, I, haven't, I, you know, I haven't seen the first one in, in quite a long time, but uh, I don't know. Like, I can't really... Uh, have, you, have, you, have you heard about that, that uh, Tom Six's other movies? Yeah, called? I've been looking uh, forward to this, to, to see it, and uh, he can't get it into festivals or anything, but yeah, I've been dying to see it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's too bad. That, I know that thing's been uh, completed for quite a while, and he just can't seem to get it get it in front of anybody's eyes but um yeah it, it sounds really good it's called it's called like the oniana club yeah yeah uh interesting when you asked what i would give the sadness um uh my friend annabelle and i do a dinner and a movie and we used to rate the movies with peds they were like human senate so we would give it up to uh five peds so i i would have gave it a sadness four and a half peds and i actually told her last night to watch a sadness because uh, we started doing the show because we both liked uh, Human Centipede and the Serbian film. Yeah, they're, they're, they're fine films. Fine pieces of horror cinema. Yeah. It, it sucks that, you know, we don't, we're not really seeing that much, that much like uh, good quality kind of films that, that are, I mean, if we, you know, if we just want to be blunt about what we're talking about, we're just talking about films that are repulsive and that, mm-hmm. and that work, work with the medium of repulsion, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause like there's, there's a, lot, a lot of stuff that it's so funny. It's like the way that people talk about horror movies. It's like, if you're, if you're gross, if you gross people out, it's like, it's, it's cheap and it's uh, um, puerile, but it's like, you know, and everyone's talking about like, you know, honest, honest tensions, honest tension. And like, uh, you know, like layered uh, uh, like sort of, how do you say that? Like, uh, like building, building. Uh, uh, what do you call that shit? Like suspense. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, okay, yeah. But, like, but but I mean, it's and it's like those things are great. Like you know, uh, like look at Hereditary. Hereditary is amazing, right? Amazing. Mm-hmm. But then like you see like these movies that are coming out on Netflix that are that think that they're hereditary, and and they and they confuse um, honest tension and 
and sort of slow building suspense with just being boring and nothing happening. <laughs> it's just like, 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 you guys don't get what you're talking about. You just, you're just saying words and you don't actually have any real idea about how to do anything. You know, it's just, it's like, Oh, if you have a spooky hallway and someone walking down it, it's like that, that's a good movie, you know, good, good stuff. Yeah. And the idea of like uh, jump scares is always this real negative. And I never understood that either. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I think that the the idea was, I think that's a reaction to something like, um, what's the fucking thing called? Like the Conjuring um, movies, maybe? No, no, no. Uh, the, 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 the Paranormal Activity movies. Oh, right. Yeah, well, that that's almost like one of those 30-second uh, YouTube things, but it's in, in for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's like... Uh, actually, Red Later Media on, on YouTube made a good... Oh, I'm a big fan. Yeah. yeah. Me too. I, I watched them. Uh, I watched... You know, you, you just end up watching their videos, you know? Like, mm-hmm. even, even, if, even if you don't agree with them, you're just kind of like, well, yeah, this yeah. is on. But um, the thing is, is like um, uh, they were talking about how like the, the experience of watching Paranormal Activity, sorry, the, the, the experience of watching the crowd watching Paranormal Activity in the theater is actually like unlike a lot of uh, like movies because like there's actually a lot of chit chat just to, in, with people and they're on their phones. But then like when the scary part happens, like the phones kind of go away. And then everyone kind of quiets down and they wait for like the music to kind of drop out and then it's silent and then they just get hit with the scare and then everyone's like, woo. And then, and then they just get back to kind of, you know, <laughs> doing stuff. Right, so it's right. like this completely like almost like a different thing, like than than uh, actually watching a movie, actually just like shutting up and paying attention to a movie that, that was their take. I, I've actually never seen that myself, but like I can, I can kind of, yeah, I, I never saw it in a theater. I saw it at home and, uh, it's probably not the same experience. Mm. So what else we got? What's on so, the, what's uh, on the- <clears throat> well, uh, the sadness. I actually want to go back to what you said <clears throat> about uh, repulsion and, and things like that. I've always thought that if a movie has any type of um, brings out any emotional response to you, it's, it's doing its job. You know, even if it's a negative emotional response. Especially if it's a, a negative response, emotional response. Especially because, um, like that's, uh, well, I don't know. You know, what's really hard to to do is actually like, it's, I think it's really hard to make like a genuinely, uh, romantic movie that actually makes you feel like, like, you know, strong, genuine, truthful romance. (laughs) I think maybe that's the hardest thing to do. Um, but, uh, you know, but if something can, can gross me out, um, and there's a there's a point to it like i like i feel like um like because sometimes if something just grosses you out it's like whatever you know like that's that's not that big of a deal like all you have to do is just sort of right. um i don't know like just have have a make a scene where somebody is getting i don't know like red ants put into their fucking urethra <laughs> or something. right right but it's the jump yeah, scare of, of gross out so they're, they're red ants just jumping out of his urethra and jump jump scaring out everyone every which way you stole well, the, my idea for my movie. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But I was going to say that, um, uh, you know, like, in, again, to the, in the case of something like Irreversible, um, that movie does not function without that scene. Like that, it, it, it's an important part of the whole thing. Like, it, it, and, and, you know, you're, you're just assaulted by it and you, and you leave the theater and you're just like, and you're, and you're thinking about, you're, you're, you're thinking about kind of like, um, 
your own life and 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 the things that and the people you care about and the and the maybe the people that you've hurt or the or the people that you've done um, you could have treated better. Like it, it really it just it really hits you hard and, and you're just thinking about you're thinking about your own life after that watching that movie. That's that's the way I felt anyhow. So I mean that's that scene, that shocking uh, scene that needs to be endured is actually is absolutely crucial to to not the enjoyment of the movie, but, but of the, for the movie uh, doing its job, you know, but mm -hmm. reaching, reaching through the screen and, and, and touching you, you know? Yeah. And when you talked about the trigger warnings, I assume um, that festivals and, and moviegoers have a harder problem, have a harder time with the, the sex in the movie than the physical violence. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. That's the, that's the, and that's the reason actually why, so much of that stuff is like um, is cut away from like, or, or done in a way where it's not shown in a graphic way yeah. uh, in, in, in the movie, because I actually was, you know, naively hoping that if I, um, if I handled that, if I handled that well, then, then people, I, I could have my cake and eat it too. I could, I could still have like the, you know, uh, you know, how do we make, how do we put these characters into real danger? Well, we, you know, we introduce this sexual violence element to it and, and introduce like a character who like, you, I don't want to see her get, get raped. You know, like you're, you're really, you're, you really don't want to see her get raped. You know, I don't, but anyways, um, uh, so th this is a way to kind of increase urgency from on my end. But, and I thought that maybe if I, if I, if I deal, deal with all that stuff with, with um, dialogue, or implication or um, maybe in the one sort of notable scene that everyone keeps bringing up, if I, if I uh, show the reaction of somebody watching it and just, and just do it with audio, uh, then I'll be able to kind of have the horror, but I, I don't have to you know, be exploitational in, in the truest sense of the word. Um, I thought I could get away, with, <laughs> get away with it, like thread the needle. But the, the problem is, is that uh, you know, there's some people out there who just, uh, if, if, if even a mention of that is made, it's they're you know, eh, I'm out, I'm, I'm not with this, you know, miss me with that shit. Or, uh, another thing too, is like, um, uh, what do you call it? Like, um, shit, lost my train of thought. Hold on. It's going to come back. So the rape thing and you don't show it. And then, uh, oh yeah. So yeah. Or the, sorry, here I got it. So it's the, um, the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre effect, where it's like people think it's the goriest movie of all time. Right. There's like no blood in it. Yeah. Exactly. But but people walk away thinking they saw something they didn't. And people, I've seen that too in reviews. People talking about, um, you know, like something that they 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 thought they saw something, or they're, or they're like, oh, and then you see this one scene, and, and blah, blah, blah. a lot of people do that too with a lot of the, the political stuff and the sadness. Like they're like, and then the government's on TV and they're saying this, and I'm just like, that, that's not in the movie. Like it's really <laughs> funny how, how people kind of bring their own shit to the movie. But the yeah, the, the sexual violence stuff is definitely something that is it's so inflammatory that uh, <clears throat> that you know it, you can try to be you can try to be um, uh, nuanced with it, but it's like for, for a lot of, a lot of the times you're just going to fail. It's that's the lesson I learned, but at the same time, the, the movie wouldn't be, have such a hype and buzz about it if it didn't have that in it. Right. So oh, yeah. it's a ledged sword. Yeah. Did they, um, you, <clears throat> you, you played a lot of festivals, but did that come up to any festivals? Like we won't play this. Uh, actually, yes. 
but but then um, and it was it was actually because we sent the first we had a, a, a cut that was eight seconds longer that we actually played in Taiwan that had eight seconds of sort of like um, uh, you know it was basically a guy having sex with a corpse in the street um, and it, it is it actually is in the film but but um, we it's you know we just shortened it and instead of it being eight seconds long it's like maybe you know almost one second long right and you see him in the street it's a scene where the guy comes on the bike around the corner and he sees that guy uh, and then you, later on you see his bear he was running down the street with his bare ass out remember yeah yeah so um so that scene we cut down eight seconds um because it's just like him just like just just going to town on this corpse in the street right and it's like um and then uh, one i won't name it but this one festival was just like you know we we can't play that uh <laughs> but if you cut it if you cut that part out then we can play it and i said and i was like no you know i stand by my art and then uh raven banner was like consider it you know and I, and I looked at the i looked at the timeline i still had was you know had the project open and i was like if i cut it out and i was like actually I, it's it's kind of okay and i don't i don't even really have to change like the audio that much mm-hmm. um and then it, it, you know what it's like? It's like in Friday, thir- Friday the 13th, part seven, when Jason smashes the sleeping bag against the tree. And in the original cut, it's like multiple times, but yeah. they cut it, they do it just one time and it's more impactful. This one, this the way of doing it, uh, the way that I've done it now, abiding by this festival's, um, you know, suggestion to cut out this eight seconds was um, it, it, it makes it more kind of just like, like, did I just see that? You know, it's, it's more... Um, it, it's actually, it, for me, it actually works both ways. Uh, but the way that it is now, I've committed to that being the director's cut. And for anybody, want, you know, asking, you know, where is that deleted scene or whatever? It's, it's, it doesn't exist. It's gone now. Yeah. It's gone into the, into the wind, like mm-hmm. a candle in the wind. Well, you mentioned Raven's ba- or Raven Banner, by the way, and you can get the special edition uh, Blu-ray, which has a lot of cool extras. Yeah, but not that. But not that, right? Right, not the extra seven seconds. So you were with Raven Banner um, even before the festivals. Actually, yes, we we uh, we we tried to do it. We tried to release the film in Taiwan uh, after that was over. Um, the studio tried to kind of, you know, figure out how to sell it to you know, you know, make some money, uh, you know selling it to whatever Netflix or something, but nobody yeah. really wanted it. And then I, I personally got in touch with Raven Banner, just cold calling. And I, and I said, Hey, we got this movie here. Are you guys interested? And they took a look and they were like, they were like, yeah, this, this looks good. And then they took it to um, European film market in uh, Berlin, I believe. And, um, and they, based on the reaction that they had there, they, they said, um, you know what we th- what we're going to do actually is instead of selling it because we're getting so much attention for this and people are offering us money. We think that if we just put this on ice, do the sort of the traditional festival thing in the fall, when all the genre festivals are, we can, we can pump this, we can pump this and make people care about it a lot more. And then we can, then we can give you a better deal. And I said, go ahead boys. And, uh, and they did that. And then, um, <clears throat> and it, it kind of sucked because there was just like this, five month period of time where it was just dead in the water. Like we just, you know, and then I had, you know, uh, I was like, yeah, you know, Raven Banner's going to make us some money off this. And meanwhile, like my, you know, the, the guys, the producers of the movie, like, where's the fucking money, Rob? I was like, just wait, you know, just wait, it's coming. And yeah. then, um, 
and then you know sure enough we're, we're here now and like the, and the movie's on shutter and um we we you know we we got uh we got a decent return off of the sadness and uh it feels like um i mean we definitely could have done a lot of things better but uh and and we could have maximized sort of the you know, making the making the movie kind of work for us a little bit better, but um, I think that all things considered, it's fine. You know, whatever. At, at the very least, uh, I th- I think that I'll be able to make another movie. So that's all that really matters. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So why was a what was the reason for Raven Banner specifically? Because you said you contact them. I know personally, if I see Raven Banner put a movie out, um, even if I don't like it. Um, all of their movies, they're always more interesting than a lot of other companies that put, that put a lot of stuff out. I think that, um, well, uh, there were some, there were some distributors that wouldn't take the movie because we had already uh, released it in Taiwan. And in their mind that, um, you know, like it cuts the lifespan, like the, the, the movie's already so far into its lifespan. Mm-hmm. It's already had a release. That means that if they go ahead, if they go and they sell it to, um, well, if they go, if they go and they try to sell it to like um, Netflix, it can't be, it can't be like a Netflix original. It can't be a, a, a Amazon prime original, you know? Um, although, you know, I mean, they, like shutters calling the sadness a shutter original. So I guess all, all they yeah, have they to put do that is- on everything. Lots of things that I saw at festivals, but you know, I, uh, I just well, like over that, but yeah. <laughs> Kind of like it's kind of like when you when you see like uh, I don't know, fucking low fat cheese or whatever, or like your <laughs> diet diet soda or some shit. Anyways, um, you know what does that even mean? But the point is, is like um, uh, that it, at the end of the day, it's it's a it's a bargaining chip or like a a, a, a point of leverage, right? They can they can say, well, you know, okay, we, we can't really sell it, to, we can't really pay that much for it because of this. this. But Raven Banner uh, didn't seem to you know, give us any bullshit with that. They, they saw the value of the movie and they saw, um, I mean, oh, wow, you know, you showed it, you showed it in Taiwan, like this tiny little island uh, and nobody, uh, nobody else in the world has, has seen this thing. There's, there's still plenty of market out there. Like how much, how much money do we make from the Taiwan market? You know, so they, um, they were uh, eager to, to help us uh, distribute it. Um, but, but that was, that was pretty much why they, they just kind of like uh, we had we had other smaller distributors that weren't necessarily horror um, focused kind of look at it. And they just they just weren't offering us anything that felt reasonable. But Ra- Raven Banner was the only one that was kind of like, you know, OK, this we feel like we're getting a deal here that that uh, makes sense. Yeah. You said you, you know, you played it in Taiwan. I have no idea. Are, are people in Taiwan uh are they, do they go out and see a lot of like crazy horror movies? <laughs> no, <laughs> but, uh, we just figured that like, we just figured that like, you know, you like stranger things have happened, you know, like what if, what if we come out with, um, what if we just come out with like the craziest zombie movie that anyone's ever saw anywhere in the world in, in, you know, the last five years or whatever. Um, and you know, like, you know, and it's Taiwanese, you know, like th- there is sort of this, this thing that um, like, it's all in, it's all in Chinese it takes place in Taipei. It's a Taiwanese film, you know, maybe directed by, by this fucking guy right here, but it's still a Taiwanese film. Um, uh, 
So we, you know, we just took a risk and just thought like, we, you know, it's again, just like what the first thing I said, you know, like when I, there are things that you can do to hedge your bets in the, in the Taiwanese film markets. So we can just try to make, make a copy of the film that did well last year or whatever, right? Just do some sort of high school romantic comedy. Or if you're going to do a, <clears throat> if you're going to do a um, horror movie, maybe do some kind of, I don't know, found footage thing about an urban legend or something. Um, that those are ways to hedge your bets. But uh, we just thought, because of the because of the pandemic um it should maybe be about a pandemic like it yeah because it's it's top it's a of the time and topical and whatnot and you know we don't really have a lot of money to deal with so we can't really you know do this um big special effects sort of driven like big city city-wide disaster sort of film so instead um, let's keep it small, like in rooms, like when, when people are getting attacked, it's going to be like three, four or five people in the room, you know, but like, but really make sure these people suffer and really have intense emotional moments, um, of, of people suffering. And maybe that'll, maybe that'll work, you know, maybe that'll bring something to the table that hasn't really been done before. And indeed it hasn't been done before, but the Taiwanese audience didn't really respond to it. And I think a lot of it has to do with, um, <clears throat> uh, I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that the, the film just wasn't, didn't have any kind of fanfare. Like it was just kind of dropped in theaters, a little bit of money spent on marketing, you know, some Instagram ads or whatever. Um, but there was no reason for, for anyone to go see it. It was just kind of like, like, here it is, Kubei, you know? Yeah. It's scary, you know? And then, and, and, you know, like if we had done the festival thing first, if we had built the hype first, you know, if we had, if we had spent a little time, uh, uh, you know, marketing the film properly, then I think that it would have done a lot better. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just a shame that that, that kind of went the way that it did, but um, you know, whatever it, it, the movie, I think like, okay, listen, if the movie was shitty, then I would feel a lot worse than I do now, but I, but I like the movie. <laughs> yeah. I, no, like I, the movie. I love the movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I like the movie. So it's, it's fine. It's all fine. Mm -hmm. um, how did you end up in Taiwan? Oh, you want to do that? Okay. We can talk about that. Like I just, I mean, it's not that interesting. Basically I just came, I just came to visit here. Like there was sort of like a, a program. There were programs available where you could like just come like from Canada and it was like really easy to like kind of just work here and stuff. And um, I was like 25 and I thought like, oh yeah, I'll go to Taiwan, you know, whatever. I'm not doing yeah. much in Canada. Um, I had just, uh, I was trying to get a job and I, and uh, I did an interview and then I didn't get the job and I was, and that was kind of the, the catalyst. I was just kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm going to Taiwan. I'm just going to go you know, whatever, buy a plane ticket, go there, figure it out, figure it out, do something different. Um, because, um, you know, when you're 25, you're kind of like, you're still young enough to kind of do stuff like that, but you're also kind of getting older and you just kind of figure like, if I don't do this now, like, what am I, when am I going to do it? You know, I'm going to do it when I'm like 30. So then, um, so, uh, yeah, that's basically it. And then I just stayed, stayed because I like the weather pretty much. <laughs> Well, that works. Uh, how's the food in Taiwan? But it's, it's good. I but I, I do tend to cook a lot. However, I do I do think that the uh, like the variety the variety of like vegetables and like fruit and stuff is like uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty pretty like you can get like tropical stuff kind of like year round. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Like the, I, I think that the beef in Canada and the U.S. is much better, though. And like I, I can get it here. It's just that I have to pay more. You know, same thing with like lamb. Sometimes, sometimes even like, um, like though there will be like a, a, you know, it's really hard to find lamb. Like at certain times, I'm like, damn, like where's the fucking lamb at? But anyways, uh, <laughs> are you are you are you a lamb guy? Do you like? I lamb? am a lamb guy. Yeah, I know I it's, uh, it's 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 uh, it's actually not that easy to find around here anymore either. But. Oh damn! What's what's going on with the lambs? I don't know. The silence of the lambs is going on here, but yeah. So you uh, obviously wrote the movie. Um, so you wrote the movie before the pan, or I guess like during the pandemic. Did you film it during the pandemic? Yeah. I guess we still are in the pandemic. But like, how how was filming the movie? It's like film, filmed in August of twenty uh, twenty. So that's that like full on pandemic like full-on you guys are locked down uh we're we're not because taiwan's still covid free at that point oh yeah i didn't know that yeah pretty much a non-issue um uh taiwan taiwan is now at this moment uh for you know the people who are watching this five years in the future um uh right right now taiwan is just spiking for with with omicron cases but it's like what are you going to do, right? Like they've actually, there used to be like a, a really well um, sort of orchestrated uh, program with like QR code, like every, it's all, it's all, it's not like different companies. It's all like this one government run thing where it's like QR codes and you're like scanning in and it's like keeping track of everybody. And like, and, it, and if someone gets caught, then it, they can trace it down the line and they can do this sort of, uh, uh, you know, use your, use your phone to track you where you are and like warn people and stuff. Um, but when it, when, uh, just recently they, they were just like, there's too many cases. Um, we're just not going to do this anymore. So we're, they shut down the entire program. So it's just like, all right, you know, all we, all we can do now is just tell you guys to get vaccinated. So, um, we're going to put all of our, our uh, budget and energy into just sort of, uh, into just making, making sure that the vaccine is there if you want it. Uh, and, uh, that, that's essentially their, their, uh, strategy at this point and it, but it, you know it, it's like hundreds of thousands of people are getting infected but like there's very very few uh deaths compared to like sort of first wave covid19 you know yeah so it's hard it's really hard to get you know worked up about it from from my perspective you know especially since it's like it's like getting worked up about um air pollution you know it's like what am i going to do like not breathe or go and protest with a fucking sign like like, what the fuck you know like uh, that you there's certain things that you can certain wars you can fight and certain wars you can just sort of keep out of right right see um when you said about people like reading more political stuff in the movie than is it then it's actually there there is social commentary in the movie and i do like the idea that you had in there about you know the this shouldn't be politicized and uh, but I think that just having that enough in there is interesting that uh, people will take that and and you know they can make bigger things about it and read what the what they uh, what they want to into it. Yeah, but the thing about all that stuff is like um, when I when I first like just the idea too of like um, you know you know we should we should listen to we should listen to what the doctors are saying um message 
Like when I, <laughs> when I wrote the movie back in like May of 2020, that that's not a controversial opinion. Like that's, <laughs> right, not, right. <laughs> that's, not, that's, that's not an opinion that like, that Joe Rogan has a problem with, you know, that's just like, that just seems like very rational thinking. Right. So I, just wanna, I just thought like, I, I don't want this movie to be too political. I just want it to be um, pretty middle of the road because at, at that time, the conversation was, was, you know, like what, what did China do? You know, like, like, oh, it's uh, the uh, wet, uh, wet market in Wuhan, right? Like that's, that was the top, that was the top, uh, the conversation. So vaccines and, uh, and um, you know, fake news and, and uh, pharma companies and, and uh, you know, pharma companies like lobbying the government and, all, and just, just all this, all of this sort of ballooned, uh, discourse re- relating, relating around, you know, relating to the pandemic just d- didn't even exist at that time. So, um, so that's my, that's just my, my own proof that, that people are bringing their own shit to this, to this film, because they're, they're talking about stuff that's happened. Like, you know, uh, you know, like, Oh, we're, we're trying to live with the virus now, you know, like, like it's, it's totally about like what, what, what Rob Jabaz is saying is he's saying this about the virus. I'm just like, I would not even like, I'm just, I was just trying to write something that would ultimately be scary. Um, and as far as sort of like a lot of the, um, you know, like the, the conversations that people are having, like, like for example, the neighbor, when he's just kind of like, Oh, I think it's a hoax. I think it's all, it's just like a, 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 to drive up uh, or drive down stock prices so that people can, these rich, rich elite can buy, um, you know, stock. And then they, and then when the, when the market bounces back, they can make money. Um, that's just something that's this, this Quebecois guy was saying to me at this airport one time, like, and I was just like, I was just trying to write dialogue and I was just like, Oh, I'll just copy with that, what that French guy said. To me. Yeah. And, um, and then like the, um, the, the, what do you call that? The, the speech that the that the president gives was actually just like the first, the first speech that, that Donald Trump gave regarding the, uh, regarding addressing the virus uh, I, he, he, he started it by just being like, you know, since the dawn of time, man has faced, you know, viruses and stuff. And I, I was just like, that's such a funny thing. Like, it's so funny that he, he's, that's how he's going to do it. He's going to talk, <laughs> talk about, uh, do you ever, you ever see the, um, uh, red letter media, you ever see surviving edged weapons that, that Wisconsin, uh, it's like a police video. I know. Um, I don't think so. Okay. So, so it's like, Oh, actually, I think, yeah, I think I actually, now that you mentioned that uh, from Red Letter, I think, yeah, it was on one of their uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, best of the worst kind of things or something. Right, right, right. But anyhow, yeah. like um, that, okay, so that, I, I'd seen pieces of that video from this thing called t- uh, TV Carnage, or um, it, it used to be this thing that Vice Magazine used to do, like, in the 90s. Uh, it was these tapes that you'd get, and they would just, it, it was almost like, uh, there's, no, there's no need for it now because of YouTube, but they used to just make these VHS tapes that were just like, you know, funny or bad TV all, all mixed up together. Right. Yeah. Um, but um, there was some scenes in it that were like from surviving edge weapons. So like, um, so I, I ended up kind of tracking down surviving edge weapons, which is, this, was, which is actually this police training tape that was made in, in um, Wisconsin. And, um, and it's so funny because like, it's, it's basically about being a police officer and dealing with criminals that are, that are armed with knives and stuff. Right. And like, and, and you gotta be careful because, you know, a woman might be hide, hiding a pin in her, in her hair or a guy might have razor blades under his collar 
or or a, look how quickly a credit card can become a cutting weapon or you know this this sort of thing like trying to keep officers safe trying to keep our boys in blue safe and then um but it, but the way that it starts it's like the, the video starts and then it's like um cavemen you know and it's like since the dawn of time man has always <laughs> it's like 2001 yeah the yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly like like the, the beginning of 2001 and, it, and that's the way that you start that's the way that you start your your you know your fucking report in in junior <laughs> high you know? like since the dawn of time like you're, you're doing a you're doing a report about like the the internal combustion engine you know since the dawn of time man has wanted to go faster so i just thought it was so funny that that's how this that's how the speech was going so so um i just i just tried to kind of write something kind of like that because i because i was watching that in the shower when he was giving it yeah. and i was just oh that's the that's so funny i'm not a i'm not, i don't really you know i'm not really a trump guy or an anti-trump guy i don't really care but i just that, i thought that was super funny when, when i saw that thing because it was just like um you know such a such a uh uh, what do you call that? Like, like an empty sort of pep talk, like, right. like, like a coach, like before the big game or something. Yeah. So I, I thought, oh, I'll put one of those into the movie. So I'm just like kind of putting this together just from stuff I'm seeing and things that I'm kind of noting as being entertaining. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> it's, it's all in service of, of making a film that's, um, you know, not boring, hopefully. Oh, de definitely not. I, I would, uh... I'm sure people say anything, but uh, it would be very shocking to me if someone, if they didn't like it, I, it would be shocking that they thought it would be boring. Yeah, no, no, no. but pe people like to act like they're, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. people love to say like, oh, like, oh, it's boring. You know, like that people love doing that sort of thing. Cause, yeah. cause really what they're doing is they're not talking about the film. They're talking about themselves. They're talking about how, oh like, yeah, they're, they're so badass. Uh, yeah. They can, yeah. Or just like, you know, like I, this is, this isn't good enough for me. For my taste. <laughs> oh. Anyways, I um I did think when you said about living with the pandemic that if you would do a sequel, the idea of living with the sadness would is an interesting concept. Try uh trying to make a society where you just live with this. I think that if I if I I was thinking a lot about that, thinking a lot about sort of what what a sequel would look like, or even even better, like some sort of TV series or something. Mm. Um, and I was thinking like the most the most interesting thing about about the film, the sadness is sort of like seeing these people um, before and then seeing them after. Yeah. Um, and you, and you have the businessman you have, which is the main one. And then you have Molly and then uh, anything beyond that is a spoiler. I guess Molly's a spoiler too. Spoiler. But anyways, um, like, I think that that's, that's what you would have to do with the series. You'd have to kind of like show these people, show some people and then have them, change and sort of and the the entertaining part of it would be like seeing how they how how they become different um and uh but the here's the here's the real problem is that um you know having doing the sadness without uh the businessman or Wang Zichang who, who played uh the uh the character uh it is like having Nightmare on Elm Street without Freddy you know like you if you don't have that then it what do you have? Like he really holds everything all together with, without that actor, the, the film, it just doesn't really work properly. Um, so that's what makes me really hesitant about even entertaining the idea of, of uh, doing a, a sequel. Mm -hmm. How did you cast him? Did you know him at all before uh, doing the sadness? My, one of the producers is this fellow named David Barker who had worked with him a lot on commercials and they're friends, like they have like coffee together and stuff. So um, he, he was, he was invited to come read for the president. And when I saw him 
uh, I was just like, this, this guy should be, should be reading for the businessman. And another thing too, is that I, I recognized that he was kind of a stronger actor than a lot of the people who were coming in. And I was just like, you know, I, if there's one character, if there's one character that needs a strong actor, uh, it's that character. Cause, cause it's so much of the, so much of the weight of the movie falls upon his shoulders. So I got him to read for it that day. And, and I, I, you know, he did it like, you know, in whatever, 15 minutes. And I said, okay, you got the part. You're the businessman. And then, uh, you know, he, he did an amazing job. And uh, I still, every time I see him, I still thank him, you know, like, Oh God, thank you. You know, cause it, cause the movie, the movie, like I said, it, it, he holds it all together. That, yeah, he's that amazing. Honestly, I think the whole cast is good, but yeah, he's he's great. And they I, are they are great. They are. Let me just say that they are great. Um, and it's it's not so it's not that his uh, it's not so much that his it's you know the actor. It's just like the the kind of like the presence of it. Yeah, yeah. I kind of think of it kind of like um, how the the difference between the first men in black movie and the second men in black movie. Like the first one is like that, that farmer guy with the bug inside of him. And he's like this weird, like zombie guy. Like I thought that was so cool. And then the second one, you have like Lara Flynn Boyle and it's like, this isn't, this isn't as good. You know, do you know what he thought of the movie? Oh, he loves it. Oh, cool. That's good. Yeah. He got, he's one of the guys who got it. It's a sadness is billed as a zombie movie. What what are your thoughts on that? Do you consider it a zombie film? Uh, If it helps the marketing, then sure. (laughs) All right. That's a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. Did did that, was that in your head at all when you're mate, when you're writing it, this this is a zombie movie? Well, yeah. I mean, like it actually, to be honest, like that's what I was told to do. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. They were like, they were like, um, write a zombie movie. And I was like, okay. And then, um, and then I, and then I honestly, like my mind was just like, how can I meet the requirements of a zombie movie without like, you know, without uh, making this like a zombie movie. So I was actually like trying to kind of, you know, sneakily not do as not do a zombie movie, but still make it sort of something I could hand in and sort of, sneak in under the door is like a yeah. zombie movie you know? um, because I, cause I, I thought that, um, you know, like malice and, uh, you know, like sadistic intention is, is what would make this scary. Uh, and that, and that's what would make, that's what will help make this oversaturated genre scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, you know, if, if, if it's possible, this is sort of what needs to happen, I think. So that was the that was the risk that that was taken. And it, yeah, I mean, I I grew up loving zombie movies, but you know, there's so many now. Uh, for any of them to stand out, they really have to do something completely different. Which one do you like the most? Uh, the original Dawn of the Dead is my favorite. Uh, as, as when I was a kid. Yeah, it's a good one. But but uh, current ones, um, there's some some good current ones like uh, the girl with all the gifts. I think it is. Anything yeah. that, that tries to do something a little different, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that one was that, the girl with all the gifts. I, I remember seeing, um, what's that guy, the British guy with the glasses and the gray hair? <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah. That guy. That guy. That guy. That guy. Everyone knows the British guy with the girl glasses. Yeah. So the glasses and the gray hair, he, he just would not shut up about the girl with all the gifts. So I go and I watch it, and I was just kind of like, oh, that's all right. 
No, see, I had no idea about the movie at all when I went. That does affect how you how you can enjoy a movie if there's a lot of hype or if there's opposite of that. Or I I try to go in. That's why I do like the festival so much. If you go in with into a movie not really knowing anything about it, Mark Mark Kermode. Okay, remember that? You know that guy, Mark Kermode? No. Okay, that's that's the that's the British guy. Um, You're in the and- movie. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. The, the, you know, you know which uh, what, when I like as uh, uh, Return of the Living Dead. Oh, I'm a big fan of that too. I think that movie is like the most, um, like the most the, the the way that I want it to be the most. You know, like because it's all it's all it's about ke- like toxic chemicals and like uh, and I just I just like how uh, you can't kill them like that that as that that is a, a aspect that. Um, Sort of like how this, it's like, okay, so how do we make it scary now? You know, like in, in, in 2022 or yeah, 2022, it's like, we have to make them like, uh, it, it really enjoy what they're doing and, and make them like, like uh, serial, serial killer maniacs. Right. But back in 85, it's like, how do we make them scary? It's like, well, you can, before it's, so you, sh- you could shoot them in the head, but now that doesn't work either. Like there's absolutely no way to kill them, you know, like, and that, that's how they made it. That's how they upped the ante. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like that because it's a very clear upping of an ante, and then they ruin it in part two when they they show that you can kill them with electricity. Yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, I like part two a lot when I was a kid, but uh, it doesn't really hold up as an adult very well. But the first one, uh, for the first movie, uh, is a movie that I loved as a kid and as an adult because I think you see different things uh, as an adult that you didn't see then. But either way, it's uh, it's great. Plus, they th- they they think in re- in uh, Return of the Living Dead just like the sadness. They do, but they're um, they're so uh, fixated on on one thing. Like the only time that the only time that you can get one to um, to talk to you is if like you hold it down, you know. Yeah, which is a great scene with the with the half corpse. Yeah, and also, um, but but th- there is there is sort of like a you know some strategy involved, like. Uh, uh, you know, send more paramedics and yeah. all that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, whatever. You know, like they they definitely like th- this. Just goes to my point that that Return of the Living Dead is is a movie that you know it's it's not like no one ever talks about that. But even given its sort of reputation, I still do believe that it is very underrated. Like I still I think that it's it's not high enough. People are always talking about the Romero three and stuff, and mm-hmm. it's like Return of the Living Dead is like. That's that's the one that I think is the that's the, the one that started the whole brain, you know, them eating brains before that zombies weren't eating brains or just eating people. But, and then but, it kind of became like everyone's assumed they ate brains after that. No, it's just I think it's just that one episode of The Simpsons where remember when um I've actually never watched The Simpsons. I know that sounds insane, but you've never watched The Simpsons? No. All right. Well, I don't want to make this interview about you. But, uh, <laughs> That's uh, that's that's pretty weird that you've never seen The Simpsons. Also, I I get the feeling that you like to you like to tell people that because of how shocked they get. You sound just like my friend Annabelle. She said, "Oh, you just say this because it sounds cool." But she's <laughs> right. I mean, what can I tell you? <laughs> I'm not saying it's not. I'm not guilty of that. But but I, I but at this part this time though, it, I had to say because I actually don't know the reference. Mm. Right. Well, anyways, the the point is is that that's the only time I ever saw. 
that and then Return of the Living Dead. Anyways, what, what else we got? We're talking about Return of the Living Dead just a little bit too much now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that'll be a separate show. Uh, so did you get to watch the sadness with uh, with a lot of uh, were you at a lot of the festivals to watch it with the crowds? With yeah, the yeah I, saw it, I saw it very, very many times. I saw it in many, many times in many countries all across the world. I saw it in uh, in uh, Spain and in Portugal and in France, like uh, Paris. And also I saw it in Calgary, Alberta, and I saw it in Austin, Texas and uh, here in Taiwan. And uh, that's it. Uh, I, I saw it in, in all of those places in theaters, and it was um, it was pretty good. It was pretty well received. Um, oh, I also saw it in, in Switzerland as well. That was also oh, nice. cool. Um, in in Locarno, the the Italian part of Switzerland. But in any case, um, yeah, you know, it was, I saw it in a lot of places, and uh, reaction was pretty good um, in in all those places. I'd say that probably. Uh, I don't know. What was my favorite showing? My, I, you know, I'll tell you, my favorite showing was actually Calgary, Alberta. Um, oh, really? I, I mean, I know that, uh, you know, like seeing something at like the Sitges Festival sounds like it would be more fun or whatever. But in fact, I just, I don't know, man, maybe I'm just some, some uh, hoser who just, just loves being in Canada all the time. Because like, I, I just found that that crowd was the most like loud and crazy and, uh, and, oh, and the theater was like, uh, you know, the most packed and I don't know, it just seemed like the, the crowd was just the, the most there for it. You know what I'm saying? Like it, um, they were, they appreciated it, appreciated that, that, that there was a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask some of the questions that people sent in here. I'll just ask a few, cause a lot of stuff we covered, but uh, Annabella rich. I uh, uh, would love to know what some of the films that inspired the sadness. Oh, okay. So, um, <clears throat> Uh, the, the the one that I I I, I cite often to, to talk about like the violence because there there's some parts in the sadness that are like you know the violence is sort of realistic um, and but then there's also some parts where it goes like way sort of too far into sort of this like um, you know kind of like hyper realistic almost like comical like level where there's just like way too much blood or like or, or something like that. And um, I just kind of thought uh, uh, this was a good idea because I'd seen the, the 2013 Evil Dead, uh, the Fede Alvarez Evil Dead. And, and I saw that there was a lot of parts like that where um, like the part where the, the long haired girl, uh, blonde girl cuts her arm off with the, yeah. with the um, electric, like the turkey cutter knife or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she cuts her arm and there's just, so much blood coming out just like you know like uh like uh um uh, what's it called like those are those are samurai movies you know like uh, ron or whatever. Yeah, yeah and um and it's like but it, but but the tone like is is serious like the music is serious and like and her acting is like totally serious it's just this too much blood and it's almost like oh this is like uh money python almost yeah but, but it's it's more it's like it's a, it's about a feeling or like a, 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 you know, it's like trying to create, create some, some, it's like an art or something. I, I'm not really sure how to put it, but they're, they're being like artistic with the, with how they're using the go, the gore. It, it actually reminded me kind of like how it, it sort of in a way of how like gore is handled in street trash from, uh, Oh yeah. It's a good movie. I love it. But anyway, yeah, it's one of, it's one of my favorite films of all time actually. But, um, uh, 
I just thought this is this is great. Like I, I want to do some stuff like this in this film. So the way that that sort of riding the razor's edge between fake um, fake uh, movie violence and sort of like violence that's maybe a little more real. Uh, that was really inspired by. Um, I guess stylized would probably be the word you're looking for. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's that sounds pretty good. And then also, I I had just seen uh, uncut gems, uh, like sort of, you know, maybe the around the time that we started shooting, and I was like really, really, um, like excited about about just a movie being about that kind of feeling, like just sort of like just your heart's racing the entire time, like the the entire time your heart's really your it's racing, and and maybe there are some like moments of. Um, uh, uh, reprieve, but it's like those are just in, those are just there just to kind of so that you can get the rug pulled out from under you and and uh, um, I, ju- I I just was really excited that a movie could just be you know focused on just those kinds of feelings and I was like oh man I, I'm gonna I want to try to do something that feels maybe a little like that uh, because I I would. I was, I was so impressed with that movie. I love that movie. I know people who hate that movie too. And I don't, I do not get it. <laughs> oh no, most, I'm a big fan too. Yeah. Most people are, most people who, who don't like it. I found are British people because they don't, they don't like, um, like, like, Hey, what the fuck is that? I'm from New York. You know, like they don't, they don't, <laughs> they don't, they don't get that shit. Like they don't understand that. Yeah. Meanwhile, like, meanwhile, they're, you know, they're walking, they're watching like, uh, I don't know, fucking, I don't know. What's his name? That what's the name of that guy with the, the transporter. Oh, uh, Doctor Who? No, not Doctor <laughs> Who. I don't mean transporter like on Star Trek. I mean the film called The Transporter. Oh, The Transporter. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. I know what you mean. But yeah. Um. Dan- it's not Daniel Craig. It's, that- it's the other guy. It's the other guy yeah. who's he's like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever that guy. Like they're, 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 they're looking at that guy uh, and, and uh, you know, fuck. Anyway. Whatever. So, anyways, so yeah. So there's those two movies. And then... Um, uh i don't know and then and then there's like little nods here and there just like people will be like oh you you were trying to do scanners with the head, the head yeah like, so yeah i guess so and then it's like oh and then you know this, this fire extinguisher irreversible in fact um the fire extinguisher being used as a weapon is such a is just so ubiquitous at this point like, yeah, it's yeah. used in everything like it's in every video game um but yeah like i mean I, I kind of was thinking like, oh yeah, you know, like let's have the girl smash the the rapist's head with it, like, uh, and that'll be kind of like, you know, you know, some some small small shred of justice for irreversible, and then, um, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's it. I can't really think. Um, I can't. Was really there anything that, uh, in the script that you just uh, weren't able to um, film? Uh. No, everything everything that was written was was there. I I I uh, you know I I I you know part of sort of what I was tasked to do was make something that would you know have a chance to make money. You know, mm-hmm. so a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of people ask me that stuff. It's like, oh, did you, you know did you cut a lot of stuff out, or you know, is there stuff that you wanted to to um, uh, what do you call it? Um, you know, like really extreme stuff that you weren't able to put in and stuff. And it's like, no, it's all, it's all there. Um, it, the only thing that we cut out was just that eight seconds. And, and the eight seconds is actually fairly, um, you know, you, you, you wouldn't, a lot of people wouldn't think that it was that big of a deal. So 
that's pr- that's pretty much it. Uh, Tony brings up a very similar thing you mentioned about a per- like a series like Purge, but he also uh, brings up a possible comic book if Crossed. that would be something you'd be interested in. What crossed? Yeah, yeah. He actually even said crossed. Yeah. Um, Jason Statham, by the way, is the guy. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yes. The guy I've been like, uh, you know, just talking and being uh, being a tough guy or whatever, and like yeah. being a, a British gangster. It's, it's, I I, I kind of don't like. Uh, what's the name of that guy? Guy Ritchie, like those Guy Ritchie. Oh players. yeah, yeah. Cannot connect. That? That stuff. Yeah, that was where he got famous. Was from that from that first. Uh, what what's is it like called? Layer Beast, Funky Beast, or Layer Cake, or something. I don't know. It's, all, it's some shit like that. Yeah, Anyways, I forget. The, um, so the Funky Beast. Well, uh, crossed, um, yeah, yeah. Cr- crossed is pretty. Uh, is was a definitely a big influence. You know, that's that's something that I've said. Um, you know, and would he, I think he also wants to know: Would you want to do a comic book of the sadness? Oh, I, th- I thought he was asking. I thought it was relating to your prior question. About no, it's like, a different question. Sorry, by Tony uh, Demaro. Would I want to do a comic? Uh, kind of not because because um, because crossed. And black gas already exists, um, and those are those are the two sort of like. Um, well, actually, to be honest, black gas I wasn't really thinking of that much at all, um, but crossed I definitely was thinking of. But that's that's more of like a it's more of like a premise kind of thing, or like a a look. Like um, there's a do you um, do you ever read this book called um, The Fog by James Herbert. It's like an old English book. And it's like, it's about this fog that makes people crazy. And in fact, the, the scene where the school kids beat up the, um, the teacher and they're, they're smashing his nuts against like the, the basketball pole and stuff. Um, that is actually like very uh, heavily inspired by, by this book that was written. Uh, I want to say in like maybe the late seventies, although I may be completely wrong about that, but um, uh that that kind of idea of just like this like the, the way that that book is set up is actually quite a lot like the sadness where it's like it's just like these vignettes of just nasty stuff happening um but um as far as like the comic uh crossed is concerned it's really more just about like the emphasis on gore and also sort of the the conceit that it's like the virus makes you do the worst thing that you can think of like that sentence, you know, um, because it's so powerful and, uh, that's kind of where it comes from. Now, let me, but let me get back to the original question, which, which is about like, would, would I want to do a comic? We actually had plans to do a comic. Um, but, um, and, and we were about to go forward with it, but then, um, we just had, um, I didn't have time to like write scripts for it. So then this, the guy, the artist was actually going to sort of take control of it. But then when I looked at his, at his scripts, I kind of didn't like what he, like what he was trying to do with it. And I tried to talk with him about it, but then it ended up be, being sort of like a creative differences situation where it's just like, you know, he didn't want me uh, micromanaging him. And it's just like, well, you know, it's, it's the, I have a certain, idea about what this stuff is about and i don't want it to be kind of about what we're you're, what you're doing with it mm-hmm. uh, so, no, so it didn't really work out if someone if someone else is going to do a sadness comic it's like fine whatever go ahead i don't care i don't i don't even own the, i don't even personally own the rights to the sadness ip at all it's just like um something that i 
made and I kind of gave, gave up the IP just so that I could get it made. And now it's just in the ether and it's time for me to just move on to whatever the, the next thing I do is. Um, Joe need uh, Diablo Joe wants to know uh, being a Canadian uh, working in Asia. How has that informed your art? Um, uh, it, I guess it helps me. It helps to keep me sort of um, sort of politically neutral. I guess I I, I feel like um, I don't know. I feel like I don't. I I just see people getting like really worked up over like a lot of stuff uh in the in the in the west and it's like um uh, and, and and it's funny too because this is crazy how um the like north america or like just i guess the west you could say like western civilization kind of like thinks that whatever's going on over there is is what's going on everywhere but like the the things that people are talking about like the, the issues that are in the forefront, like in China right now, are, are not even, it's not even close to what you guys are talking about. And it's, and the, the issue, like sort of the, the things that are, that people are concerned about uh, in, 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 you know, in the world at large is, is not sort of what, uh, what people, what, what, like, you know, what the sort of uh, news media are talking about in, uh, in North America. So, so it's just kind of like being kind of removed from, from the, the the noisy conversation i think is is helpful for my uh my um you know peace of mind i guess because it because it just because to answer his question it helps me just to kind of focus on um just helps me to focus on kind of stuff that i guess is more about uh like you know emotions and human stuff as opposed to trying to be uh put like so so like having, you know, commenting on sociopolitical issues. Like I, I the this, this stuff that I find to be most interesting about the sadness and the stuff that I find to be most interesting about the, the stuff that I'm currently writing is, is more about like, a, a, like, you know, uni, more universal stuff, just like, like um, feeling lonely or like being afraid to have kids mm-hmm. or um, like that kind of stuff is more, is way more interesting because the thing, the thing that's interesting is actually that, uh, no matter, no matter sort of what you do, if you make it feel honest to the time, it will automatically be political. It, it just by virtue of the time that it's made, you know. Right. So, so that that it, it's like trying to make something political is some is kind of like, you know, s- spending time and effort to breathe. It's like you don't have to because you have to do it anyways. So I just I find that focusing on like more. Um, uh, sort of personal stuff and emotional stuff and and uh, subject subjective stuff as well is um, a lot more uh, you know like useful I guess and and also and I guess maybe just being um, yeah being being kind of just away from because it, it seems to me like do you ever find that like living in the states like you're just like holy shit like, oh I'm yeah just, especially on being on social media <laughs> yeah like I mean Twitter like I I just got I started twitter like like relatively recently just mm-hmm. because it's like okay i did a movie i should be on twitter and i'm just like i tried to kind of get involved like you know uh with i remember trying to like comment on like some on like some on horror stuff you know like i was just like some lady put down her like rating of like the friday the 13th movies and i was just right. kind of like 
uh, I don't think that that's true. And she's like, and, and I started getting hit with all this, like, you know, mansplaining. Oh, everything has to be like a giant, oh, mansplaining. Yeah. <laughs> or everything has to be a big argument about even in the most like mundane thing. But, yeah. Well, yeah, it just, it was just so wild. Like how, how it turned into like, the, like from zero to 60, it turned into this, like, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like oppressor, oppressed oppressor sort of dialogue. And I was just like, I'm, I'm leaving. And I just, and then I just, I deleted like every single person, like all of my followers, I just deleted. I have, to, and, you know, at the time, I probably have more now. I probably have like, you know, maybe 20, 20 people I'm following, but it's just like, I'm just, I don't want to, I just don't want anything to be on my feed because I don't want to be tempted to like contribute to anything. I just want to only post stuff for the sadness and never get involved in any conversation because like, I just, I just, don't need need that kind of stuff in my life, you know. I uh, know. Uh, I totally understand. Uh, a few years ago, I won't go in this big store, but I got very sick, and uh, I changed my lifestyle. So I started walking hours every day and stuff. But uh, during those times, I'm by myself for hours a day, and I listen to audiobooks. And um, there is something nice about being away from everyone and not, you know, reading anything online, and it just that uh, clears yeah, it, you. It's cool to like. Um, I've I've actually found a lot of a lot of joy. Um, <laughs> I found I found a lot of joy um, uh, learning about uh, like World War II history. <laughs> this I just I just find it to be because there's so there's so much uh, there's so much like there's there's no point in time that's more like discussed than than World War II and, and, and in a, in a global sense like what's going on in like uh, Asia Pacific, what's going on in North America, what's going on in Europe. Um, and it, so there's just so much stuff going on. I've, I've found like, uh, you know, just like history podcasts and stuff are, I'm finding that to be like my like, uh, like re- relaxing, calming sort of uh, stuff. When, when I'm not working, uh, I find, I find that kind of stuff to be really, uh, really, really great and sort of rewarding to listen to because I, I, I never, you, you, you think you kind of have an idea about world war two, but like there's all this stuff that goes on and, and all these uh, you know, sort of wacky little things that happen and like things that, that, you know, if this one, if this thing happened a little differently, everything might've been different and like all, all kinds of cool stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's a whole other thing. I, also, I think that also um, uh, that's, I think that, let me tell you this. I think that history sort of podcast stuff is going to be kind of like the new true crime podcast. I think that's going to be the new sort of like fad for like podcasts. People are going to be really into like history. And I think it's probably, it's that, that thing that um, Louis CK and Shane Gillis did on Shane Gillis's podcast where they're talking about the American presidents. I think that that, that thing is going to pick up a lot of steam and people are going to be really like getting into, getting into history, especially like young men. I think that that, for some reason, like that just is something that uh, really hit, hit as a, as a, um, you know, something like, wow, I need this in my life. I need history in my yeah. life. You know? Interesting. And I'm not saying this to be cool. Like the, um, like the Simpsons thing. I've actually not listened to any uh, history podcast, but it's just because I'm not really aware of them. Uh, that actually does sound like some, something I would be interested in. Well, the, the, the guy you want to listen to is, uh, is this guy, um, Dan Carling. He, uh, not Carling, rather, but Carlin, like George Carlin. Um, his, his podcast is called um, Hardcore History, and it's like, uh, he, he, he seems to have a very, like, harbinger of doom kind of attitude about just the world in a broad sense. But um, what, a, what a storyteller. What a national treasure. 
you know, you you give the, you give his podcast uh, a listen, and and you tell me that that's not entertaining stuff. Right, I'll check it out. Well, what are you working on currently? Uh, oh, I'm I've finished a script a, a while ago, and I'm just trying to kind of negotiate, do the do the dirty work of of um, signing a a sales deal and. You have to you have to kind of do this stuff to kind of get the wheels turning on on getting the next thing made, um, and uh, yeah, it's just it's it's I don't really want to say a whole lot about it because sure. it's like because it's like um, you know you don't want to you don't want to promise a lot and deliver little you know but I I will say that what I'm really trying to get done at this point is uh, something that's more of like a monster movie like a mm. creature film um, and uh, and that. That's sort of the. That's going to be kind of like the heart and soul of like the, the the thing that I'm trying to do right now. But if if that whole thing falls through, and I can't get uh, what I need to make it, then I'm going to have to like <laughs> I'm going to have to regroup and figure out um, figure out something else. Yeah, you uh, a horror guy though. You like to would like to stick with the horror genre. Yeah, absolutely. And and also another thing too is that um, I. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that like I will never make a movie that doesn't take place um, in the in the present. Okay, so even though you listen to the whole, the uh, history podcast, you're not going to do a history film. I don't. I, I don't like um, like period I don't, pieces. I don't. I, I lo- like. I some of my favorite movies are like take place uh, in the past or whatever. Um, but like, I don't. I don't like the idea of of making one of those myself. I think that I, I, I think that it's a lot, it's, it doesn't make any sense to me to, to make something like that. It, it makes sense. It doesn't make any sense for me to do that for other people. Go ahead and do it. And, and I'll watch it and I'll think it's amazing, but I, I, I want to make stuff that's um, like it takes place in the present or um, like science fiction uh, future stuff. But I think that that stuff, I would only want to do it animated. I saw you, uh, you're self-taught animator. Yep, that's true. Or any of that stuff online that you know, people can watch? Yeah, sure. I mean, you can just Google my name and uh, and then just look at what videos come up. Come up. Um, I have a I have a Vimeo for Rob Jabaz, and I have a YouTube. I don't have a lot of stuff up on there anymore. Like, um, uh, I I've made a lot of videos like uh, <clears throat> private, just because um, I'm I'm because ner- because you know. When you have, because there's a lot of videos on there that are like, um, they shouldn't be on YouTube. Like there's like maybe too much violence or like maybe too much like sex or nudity. But because because I'm not famous, like they go under the radar. <laughs> right. Now people, people like know who kind of who I am. Um, they they'll go on my like I already had one ha- one happen where someone went on my my YouTube and they like flagged one of my videos and I was like okay these are all going everything on here is going uh, private because I don't want to um, I just don't want to, to get flagged. I don't want my channel to get like, to be, to get, uh, to get a blemish on it. So I just kind of like made all those videos private, but yeah, like, I mean, there's still stuff up there. Maybe my Vimeo is okay. Um, and, and also other people have like ripped my videos and put them on to their YouTube yeah. channels. And so whatever. Yeah. Just, just, you know, uh, Google my name, see if you can find some stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Do okay. Check it out. Sure. So- the sadness is on shutter. You can also get the Blu-ray uh, from Raven Banner. Um, you know that's in Canada, but I think they they ship. I know they ship uh, in the United States. I don't know if they ship all over the world, but check that out. A lot of cool extras on that. 
And I really love the sadness. And again, not just because you hear it's my kind of movie. Um, not only is it wild, like crazy and stuff, but it's it's a, a genuinely good movie. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I was going to say that um, the the DVD, or rather DVD, the Blu-ray that, that Raven Banner is putting out is actually region free. So oh, cool. and, and they do, they do indeed ship all over the world. Um, so you know, go ahead and uh, and buy it from buy it from uh, Raven Banner because. Yeah. Raven Banner is cool people. In fact, uh, Michael passed uh, when he saw him interviewing you. He said that uh, if death metal was a movie, it would be called The Sadness. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. I'm a, I'm a death metal fan, so I'll take that as a compliment. Right. Well, along those lines, the last question, then the, the final, the, well, not the final track, the first track in, in, the, um, in the credits. Uh, the, 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 how did you go about picking that? <clears throat> um, I just wanted there to be a... To, to, my, to Michael Pasch's point of um, the film being death metal sort of in spirit and in character, um, he's right. Like that, that's, that's really what, that's really kind of how I felt about it. Like I felt like, um, you know, there, metals, I, I mean, I don't want to get into my whole sort of I, philosophy about why I like metal and stuff. Um, but like, I do feel like the sadness is sort of like talking about that sort of like I, I I feel like it's the things that I like about metal are, are put into a movie, and um, and uh, I thought oh you know what we'll what we'll do is we'll find a grindcore band from Taiwan, a local band, and we'll get them to uh, you know have the song have the, the closing song. Um, so then I found Ashen, which is the band, and they had they're just a band that's been working for years and years, um, doing doing that kind of music and. Uh, they, they they just seemed they just seemed like one of those bands that like even though they never really had like a big break or got you know got any kind of recognition they just they've been doing it for like you know like 15 years now or more um and they're all still like you know young young kind of guys and um and, I, and then they had one song called crying city that was one minute long and it was exactly the length of time that i needed for like that that single card credit uh uh sequence and um, and I thought, this is great. Let's use this. So I just went over. The guy has a the guy has a cafe that he runs in Taipei. I just showed up and I said, "Hey, man, look, can I use the song?" And he was just like, "Oh, yeah, sure." So then, um, so then we worked out a deal and and uh, we used the song. That's that's how I found Ashen. And uh, you can uh, you know look up Ashen A A S H E N uh, Taiwan Metal. You can uh, listen to their album. I think they'll probably have a new album coming out pretty soon if, if it's not out already, but uh, yeah, they're, they're just a good sort of meat and potatoes kind of um, grindcore band. Uh, I think they're good. And I thought that the song fit perfectly with the film. Yeah, definitely. And then I like the contrast between that and the, the song that follows. Oh yeah. The song that follows actually, I'll just, I'll just quickly say that is by Tuchar, which is the, the group that made the entire soundtrack for the sadness. They just decided to do also like a um, song and with lyrics and stuff. And that song is called uh, Tis Freedom. And I believe that that song will have a video coming out soon, oh, cool. uh, which, which is being done kind of like apart from us, like Sitar is doing it themselves. So, but I, we've, we've uh, allowed them to use like clips from the movie and stuff. But, um, but it, it, man, it would have been real nice to like actually do like a, like a you know a 
video and actually got, you know, gotten some financing to like put together like a good video, like with a budget and everything for, and kind of, you know, use it to sort of promote the film. But um, everyone's kind of just like, yeah, sadness is sort of old news. Let's, uh, let's move forward. So Tichar is going to do like their own video and I'm sure it'll be great. Um, but uh, they're, they're kind of spearheading it themselves and self-financing it. So um, actually, I, I, to be honest, I don't even know what the hell I'm talking about. I'm actually looking forward to it because I, I think it's going to be interesting at the very least. Right. Well, cool. This has been really cool to talk with you. I enjoyed this. Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I hope that um, I hope that we can talk again one of these days. Maybe yeah, the next, time, next time I come up with a movie. Yeah. And I've been telling people about uh, to watch a sadness. It is very, I see a lot of screeners and I won't name names, but a lot of them, you know, or whatever. But so it is fun when I see one I really like and I get to uh, tell everybody. Yeah, man. Sure. Uh, I, I'm happy you liked it. And, uh, uh, you know, just if, if anybody out there uh, sees the movie and they like it, like, let them, let them know because yeah. word of mouth, word of mouth is, the, is really the, the best piece of ammunition that we have in this, in this uh, war. Exactly. <laughs> Or, yeah. And to go back to the internet, the internet doesn't have to be all negative and you just constantly say you hate everything. You can tell people you like stuff too. It's okay to say <laughs> you like something. Exactly. I don't have to hate everything. All right. I'm going to let you go, man. I'll talk to you all soon. Right. Thanks. Bye.